Today we're going to conclude this series that we've been walking through over the past several weeks on the book of Ephesians, specifically out of the book of Ephesians called A Better Way of Living. And the book of Ephesians, you know, was written by the Apostle Paul, who, just side note, he was one bad dude. He was a bad mamma jamma. This guy wrote like half of the New Testament. Some of us haven't even read half of the New Testament. Come on. He, he wrote half of that. Not only that, he was pivotal in the spread of Christianity and, and the, the spread of, of the early church both far and wide throughout this region. And to top all that off, he's writing this letter from a jail cell. Come on. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think if, if I were in jail, not that I would know anything about being in jail. Some of y'all don't get the joke there. I've got a little bit of a past. If I were in jail, I think that I might be more concerned about what's going on with me than a church down the road. Hello? But that's not what Paul was worried about. He was actually worried about this church in Ephesus that he had helped to start. In the past several weeks, we've been talking about this spiritual battle that's going on around us. And, and we've been looking at the different armor that God has given us. How many of you are thankful that we have some armor? Now, if you notice, up until this point, the armor that we've been talking about has been a belt. Well, that's cute, but what are you going to do with that in battle, right? Like, it's just holding things together. Now, now my kids might tell you that I could do some things with a belt, but a belt, when it comes to battle, it doesn't feel like the heavy artillery. You all know what I'm saying. And then we got to put our shoes on. Well, I liked a, a good pair of shoes as much as the next person, but that doesn't really seem like something like you're going to whack somebody with your shoe. Like, what is that? And then we had the breastplate. Then we had the helmet, right? There are all these accessories. And then we had the shield, right? So up until this point, follow with me here. All that stuff is just to protect us. If I'm going into battle, I need something to fight with, y'all. Like, I need, I need something in my hand that I can do some damage with, right? And so today, we're going to turn the page here and look at the last piece of armor that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. You can read along with me from verses 17 and 18. We're going to zero in on the last portion of this passage. It's going to be on the screen this morning. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18, it says this. Take the helmet of salvation, we talked about that last week, and now we're talking the sword of the Spirit, which is, what is it? The Word of God. Okay, now we're talking, Paul. Now I got something that I feel like I can maybe go into battle with. Like, give me the sword. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I need you to catch that. On how many occasions? all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying. For who? All of the Lord's people. This morning I want to share a message with you titled, Time to Fight Back. Time to Fight Back. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence here among us today. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are the champion, God, that we are victorious through you. God, that the battle belongs to you. And God, you've equipped your people for battle. 
God, I pray today that your word would just penetrate our hearts. God, that you would speak to us through your word and that we would leave this place transformed today. We love you and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Muhammad Ali was one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. Now, like I said, I'm not as old as Pastor Chris, so I I wasn't alive when he was like really fighting. But I've seen some videos, y'all. And I know enough to know that if you ask any experts on boxing, who are the greatest heavyweights of all time? Muhammad Ali is going to be right at the top of that list. Why? Well, he was a big dude, but he could, he could move like nobody had ever seen. He could dodge. He could block. Look, I'm, I'm trying to box up here today, right? It's got me feeling something. Look, he was the Olympic gold medalist in 1960. Not only that, he was the three-time world heavyweight boxing champion. He won the first time in 1964. And the people were just astonished by the way that Muhammad Ali could move around the ring. And he even said it like this. He said that I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really the most modest heavyweight champion. But, but he, he could move like no other. And he invented this style of boxing and really perfected it. Some of y'all know it was called the rope-a-dope. And the rope-a-dope he made real famous in his fight with Joe Frazier. And, and really the gist of it is that he would, just, he would put his gloves up. He would get in a defensive stance. And he would use the ropes to kind of help him absorb all the shots that he was taking. And if you've ever been in a fight, I've never been in one, but I've heard that uh, if you let the other person wear themselves out throwing punches, eventually you have a chance to counterattack. And that's what Muhammad Ali was, was known for. He would absorb the shots, absorb the shots, put his guard up, stick and move, use the ropes, and eventually, guess what? He's going to catch somebody with a counterpunch because I don't, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you can't be a world champion without knowing how to pack a punch. You can't win the fight if all you do is take punch after punch after punch and you never throw any good haymakers. Hello? And so Muhammad Ali was skilled at taking a punch, moving, ducking, dodging, but he knew when it was time to go on the offensive. Now there are sayings in sports that go like this, Defense wins championships. The best offense is a good defense. Now, all of that, there's some truth to that. But the last time I checked, any major sport, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, you name it, they have this thing called a scoreboard. Right? And guess what the scoreboard does? It tells you who's winning. And last time I checked, you have to score points to win. I've never seen anybody score with zero. Nobody's ever won with zero points, right? And so you might say, well, what's this got to do with the spiritual battle? Well, in the spiritual sense, we cannot be on the defensive all the time and never mount an attack. Come on, somebody. We've got to know when it's time to counterpunch. We've got to know when it's time to go on the offensive. And that's what the Apostle Paul is is telling us today, that that sword is our offensive weapon. Hello? That 
Look, you can only take so many punches. You can only stand and take a beating for so long before you need to fight back. I believe that in the church there are people even today in this place that are beaten down, that feel as though they've absorbed blow after blow, that you feel like you've been kicked and beaten. And I just want to remind you today that God has equipped you to fight back. And not only that, that God is fighting on our side. Hello? And so at some point, we've got to go on the attack. Now, you may be here today and you maybe are, are, would not consider yourself to be a Christ follower yet. Or maybe you just heard about the church or you got an invite today and, and you just really came because somebody was going to take you to lunch afterwards. And you're like, I'm really not here for the battle. Like, I, I, wasn't, trying to, I wasn't trying to catch any fists today. Like, I, I'm just here for the meal, right? Or you might even be thinking like, oh, yeah, Christians battling. Yeah, I've seen that. Politics. Yeah. They're battling in the political arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, social media. They're battling in the social media arena. They've got well-formulated arguments to justify whatever their stance is on whatever it might be on social media, right? Or masks or no masks, right? Christians are bad. Like, I just want to remind us today that the arena that we need to battle in is spiritual. That all those other battles are, are not really the battle. Pastor Wayne was excited. Some of y'all uh, are not following his lead right there. Come on. Look, we can, we can invest all of our energy and effort into fighting a lot of different battles. But the battle that God has called us to fight is a spiritual battle. Isn't it sad that sometimes as Christians we can be known more for what we're fighting against than for who we are fighting for? We need to be known for who we are fighting for and for who is fighting on our behalf. So how do we win this battle? Well, let's read it again, Ephesians 6, 17. Paul says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, quick distinction here. There, there, there's the Logos Word of God, the written Word of God, but then there's another word that Paul actually uses here, and it's the Rhema Word of God. The spoken word of God. The word of God used. Can I tell you today that it doesn't do you any good to know the word but not know how to use the word? We see this in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was being tempted in the desert. And I was reading that this week and it said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, went into this place of temptation. Here's a freebie. You can be led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and be tempted. And watch this now. Not sin. Well, how do you know that? Well, because Jesus was sinless. So how did he win that battle on the day of attack when he was being tempted in the desert? How did he win the battle? Well, you know the story. He goes into the desert. It says he fasted for 40 
days. I ain't never fasted for more than about three days. But I know after a couple days, I'm going to be pretty hungry. And it says that Satan, the enemy, came and launched this attack. And, and the first thing he did was say, hey, just turn that rock into some bread. I, I know you hungry, right? How many of you know the enemy knows where our weakness is and he knows how to tempt us? Jesus' response was, well, I don't think I should eat the bread. No, 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 that's not what it was. He didn't use it. He didn't rely on his logic. He didn't rely on his past experience. He, learned, he leaned on the word of God in that moment. And he said, it is written. Come on, say that with me today. It is written. Man does not live on bread alone. So Satan's like, okay, bet, bet. That didn't work. I'm going to try something different. Come on up here, Jesus, up on this hillside. I'm going to show you some things. I, I want to show you the kingdoms that you can have. All this, it's yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God only. I was thinking about that. You know, there's no shortcuts to the will of God. You know, God had every kingdom, everything under Jesus' authority to come. But there was, there was a shortcut that the enemy tried to show him in that moment. Jesus used the word to overcome that. Finally, the devil's like, well, I don't know what else to do. Let's go up on this temple. And how about this? I got an idea. Why don't you just throw yourself down and kill yourself? Because I got nothing else. That's all I got. Just throw yourself down. God will rescue you. Right? It's a last-ditch effort. Jesus' response, it is written, do not test the Lord your God. Time and time again, Jesus responded to temptation. How many of you know he was in a battle in that moment? He responded time and time again with the written word, with the spoken word of God, the word of God used. He didn't just know the word. He knew how to use the word. But how many, of you, how many of you know you've got to know the word in order to use the word? Some of us need to know the word. Maybe others of us need to learn how to use the word. Some of us need to learn it all, right? But it starts with knowing the word of God and then understanding how to use it. Not using popular opinion, not using my best logic, not using, well, CNN said or Fox News said, hello? Because God said, my word is a light to your feet, a lamp to your feet, and a light to your path in Psalm 119. His word is a lamp to our feet. So let me, let me give you a little demonstration of how this works. I want to pull someone up today to be the devil. Um, and so I thought this would be fun. And I had somebody very specific in mind uh, as I was thinking about this. Justin Pinnock, please come up. Okay. Yep. Give it up for our lead deacon. Now, here's the real reason why I, I chose him. He helped lead worship today. And you all know the story. The, the enemy led worship. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the real reason. He's a little scary, right? 
We, he's a little big. He's not really scary. He's a big teddy bear. But he's big, right? How many of you all think I could take him on my own? I don't either, okay? <laughs> I, I would bite his leg and run out here, okay? Now, I can't take him on my own. How many of you know we can't take the devil on our own? So this is what this looks like in our lives. The enemy tries to come at us different ways. You notice he came at Jesus all sorts of different ways. One of the ways that he comes at us is he attacks us with temptation. You know what he said? He's whispering to me about how that person that hurt me, my, my unforgiveness is justified. I, I can actually hold on to that, he said, because I, I'm perfectly right in being mad at that person, having bitterness at that person. But I know that it is written in James chapter 4, verse 7, that if we will submit to God and resist the enemy, that he will flee. Hello? Can I tell you what happens sometimes? We want to resist the enemy without submitting to God. We want to resist without submitting. And that's not what it said. It said submit first and then you can resist. So that didn't work too good because I, I, knew, I knew how to use the word. So he comes a little different angle, a little different, a little different way. So he tries to attack me in a different way. You know what he just said? He said, you really believe all that stuff about creation? You really believe all that stuff about, like, the resurrection? Tomb was empty? You, be you believe that? Hmm. Well, I know in Hebrews chapter 11 it says that faith is the assurance of things unseen, of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things unseen. Hello? It says that by faith, we know that the universe was created by God. So I know how to combat that attack because I know what the word of God says. So that didn't work. So now he's going to come with some bogus like jump off the temple stuff or something. That was a little weird. Hey, you know what he just said? God doesn't really love you like you think he does. He doesn't really have your best interest in mind. He's just going to let you down like the others have. And if we don't know the word, we can buy into that lie. But I know that it is written that the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. That he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He's a shepherd. He cares. And so I'm going to tell the devil to get out of here. Kick him in the backside on the way. Come on, give it up for him. He's not Satan, everybody. Just kidding. We've got to know how to use God's word. We've got to know God's word and know how to use God's word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word, where? In my heart, that I might not, what? Sin against you. 
We need to hide God's word in our hearts. I believe we're in a moment, y'all, where we need to hide God's word in our hearts. And I love how the Apostle Paul closes this passage. He's like, okay, now you finally got something to fight with. Now you want to know how to fight? Listen to what it says in verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on some occasions. Nope. On what kind of occasions? And with some kinds of prayers? All kinds of prayers. With this in mind, be alert and sometimes keep on praying. No, always. For some of the Lord's people, you know, the ones you like. No, that's not what it said, all. I think Paul's trying to drive a point home here. He said all, all, always, all. Not some, some, sometimes, some. He said always, on all occasions, when you feel like praying, pray. When you don't feel like praying, pray. Some of of y'all in the room, I know, because I've been there. Look, the enemy's trying to stop us from Sometimes we get into that place where we don't want to pray. When things are going right, pray. When things are out of control, pray. When your kids are going to school online and it's very hard for you, pray. Over and over again. When your kids go back to school and you rejoice, pray. When people mistreat you, pray. When people honor you, pray. Pray. Always. For everyone. All the time. Easy for Paul to say, right? I mean, he was only sitting in a prison cell when he wrote this. You know, Jesus understood this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says that before daybreak, that means early, y'all. Before daybreak, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And we see this pattern time and time and time again throughout the, the Gospels. That Jesus understood that in order for him to win the battle here... He had to be connected there. That it wasn't just him doing things on his own, but that he had a father in heaven that was fighting next to him. And so he understood this. Now, a few specific kind of applications of what Paul said here. He said, pray in the spirit. In other words, align your mind with the mind of Christ, with the, with the thoughts of God. It's not just pray what you think, it's pray in the Spirit. We're, we pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody thankful that the Holy Spirit helps us know how to pray? He says, be alert. Remember, we're talking about a battle. I, I don't know, I ain't never been in a battle, but I think my eyes would be open 
if people were trying to take me out. I think I would be very alert and aware of what was happening around me if I were in a battle. I just want to remind you, if you didn't already know, we are in a spiritual battle. And Paul says that it's our responsibility to be alert, to understand that the enemy is going to come at you this way or that way or around about another way. And if we are alert, then we know how to pray. And then he says, always keep on praying. In other words, he doesn't say, just pray early in the morning, once a day, you'll be good. Good. Just 20 minutes in the morning, you'll be good for the whole day. Look, anybody ever have like that really good prayer time where you're like, man, I'm going to kill it today. And then like two minutes later, you walk downstairs to where your kids are. And real quick, you realize, I'm going to need to pray some more today. He said, keep on praying. And I believe that implies this as well. Nothing's too big for God. That family member that's far from God that you've maybe even almost lost hope for, not too big for God. Nothing's too small for God that we can consistently and persistently bring our requests to the Lord. Amen? And then he says, praying for the Lord's people. Praying for God's people. In other words, don't just focus on everything you need, but remember the needs of others. This is one of the reasons why it's so vital to be connected to a community of believers. And one of the ways that you can do that is in small groups. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have too many people on Sunday morning coming up to me saying, Hey, here's like what's going on in my life. I know we got like 30 seconds here in the lobby before they kick us out the door today. But I got 30 seconds. Here's all my prayer requests. Yeah, I know we don't talk that much, but can you pray for those things? No, that doesn't, that doesn't really happen. But where you can interact and engage on that level with people is on the small group level, in a community with other people that... You're doing life side by side, and they know what's happening in your life. I don't know how to pray for you if I don't know what to pray for or what's going on, right? And so it's, it's vital that we're connected closely with others so that we can not only be praying for them, but side note, they can pray for you as well. And we can pray for all of God's people. You can pray on Fridays here at at the church or in either location as we have our noon prayer time. There there are so many opportunities that we have on a daily basis. I believe we miss opportunities for prayer. Come on. Have you all just had those moments where you were at the grocery store or the gas station or with a neighbor and you just had an opportunity to pray for somebody and you walk away and you were like, man, that was awesome. Like, Right? We, we have those opportunities around us all the time. So he says, always keep on praying all the time for all of God's people. So I would submit to you this morning that the battle that we have all this armor to fight takes place in the spiritual realm through prayer. Hello? Hello? 
that the battle that we are called to engage in is a spiritual battle. He said, take up the sword of the and pray in the, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle, and we engage in the battle through prayer. Look, here, here's a picture of what this looks like. Exodus chapter 17 says the Amalekites came to fight against the people of Israel. They were in a battle. And Joshua says, hey, Joshua, I got an idea. You grab a couple people and go fight the battle down there in the valley with all those scary people. I'm actually going to grab a couple guys. I'm going to go up on the hillside, and I'm going to fight the battle up there. And so Moses went up on the hill to fight the spiritual battle that dictated whether or not Joshua was going to win the physical battle. So the story goes like this. Joshua grabs some soldiers and they go out and begin to fight the Amalekites. Moses is like, it looks a little safer up here on the hillside. Hey, Aaron, yep, you're my brother. Come with me. Her, I like you. Okay, you don't need to go down there. Come up here with me. And it said he had the, the staff of God. And it said that when he would hold it up, you can read this in Exodus 17. When he would hold it up, it said the Israelites were winning. Wait. The rod goes up. Something happens spiritually. But the physical battle, they're winning when the rod's up in the air. And it was like a, a, a moment where Moses is demonstrating to the people of Israel, hey, like we can't win this battle on our own. This is like an intercession moment. And when his hands were up and the rod was up, they were winning. And how many of you know, like, you do this for so long? I mean, Moses is probably about 100 years old at this point. Like, he got tired. And said when his hands would start to drop, all of a sudden, they were losing. The, the, there was a direct connection between what was happening spiritually and what was happening physically. And so it said Aaron and her, Moses' small group, would lift his arms up in the air and they would help keep his arms up because they're like, dude, what's going on here? Like his arms are up, we're winning. His arms drop, we're losing. Light bulb moment, they're like, okay, we're gonna help you. We're gonna hold your arms up because here's the deal. Our connection in heaven determines our victory on earth. Our connection in heaven determines our victory on earth. Much prayer, much victory. Much of the word hidden in our heart, we can overcome much temptation. Little prayer, no prayer, no victory. No word, no weapon. So the connection there determines what happens here. Some of y'all are tired of getting kicked in the face. Some of y'all feel like you've been beaten from every direction. And I just want to remind you today how to fight. 
and that you need to stand up and fight back. Can you imagine somebody that just keeps getting hit and they just stand there? No. Look, last year, my, my middle son, Parker, he's in second grade. We had this little boy in second grade that liked to hit on Parker a little bit. And so I talked to the teacher a few times. Now, backstory, I worked in school. So I sat on the other side of the table when parents told me, uh-uh, they ain't going to just hit my kid and not get hit back. And I said, as an, as an administrator, I had to say, well, that's actually, you know, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah, if they, if they hit them back, they're going to be in trouble too. But as a parent, <laughs> I said, Parker, I've, I'm done talking to your principal and to the teachers. I'm telling you what, if that little boy whose name shall remain nameless, devil boy we'll call him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If he touches you today, I'm giving you permission. You can hit him back. I don't even care. I don't care. You won't be in no trouble. Right? I'm not going to teach my kid to protect themselves and not teach them how to throw a punch too. Don't just take punches left, right, every which way. I'm challenging the church today to fight back. Some of you all know how to fight. There are seasoned believers in this room that I believe we would not be, this church would not be where it is. I know, no, no, without the, the battle that has happened behind the scenes for years and years and years. Because some of you all know how to fight. We need you right now to not grow weary, to fight like you haven't fought in a while. Others of us know how to fight, but we're just tired of fighting. And maybe we've just gotten a little lackadaisical, a little apathetic. We're not alert like we could be. Today's the day to wake up and fight. Some of us are maybe new to all this and you're like, look, I was here for the lunch, man. I'm not trying to fight anybody. I just believe that God wants you to stand up and fight. 